Welcome to the Atem Podcast. My name is Andrew Clark, and this is the place to be to catch up on what you missed at the 2021 edition of the online 24 Hours of Atem. So for this 10th episode, we will cover content protection made simple. So let's start the engines. Hope everyone's doing well today. Uh, thank you all for joining us for the 24 Hours of Atem. Uh, this is the content protection made simple. Um, my name is Caleb Stambaugh. I'm a technical team leader here at TEM for our North America region. Um, and having present today is both David and Maxim. I'm going to go ahead and hand it off to them for their introductions and uh, let them take it away. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you, Caleb. Uh, thanks, everyone, for attending uh, that uh, discussion about content protection made simple. Uh, done with our uh, partner, Easy Gear. I would let uh, David uh, introduce himself. Hello, everyone. I'm David Eisenbacher. I'm a CEO and co-founder of Easy DRM. Yes, so uh, my name is uh, Maxime Pijard. I work for ATEM as a solution architect. I'm based out of uh, Boston in Massachusetts, and I come from the acquisition of Planavia uh, by ATEM. So a uh, little overview of the agenda of the session. Uh, we'll go over uh, ATEM and EasyDRM, and talk a little bit of the, the different companies and what, uh, what we do in the uh, content protection. We'll uh, discuss uh, DRM uh, in uh, OTT uh, and the different like workflow and, and what is implicated. Uh, then uh, we'll uh, go over the challenges uh, that needs to be overcome uh, relate, related to user experience. And uh, we'll uh, conclude uh, with uh, a conclusion about like ATEM and, and EasyDRM. And uh, finally, we'll go over some uh, demo. Uh, so let's go over the introduction uh, of uh, ATEM and EasyDRM. So uh, ATEM uh, is a leader uh, in video processing and delivery uh, from uh, the event to the subscribers. So it goes like from consolidation, primary distribution between the content provider and the service provider, and then the distribution uh, to the subscribers. Uh, so don't need to say it, but content needs to be encrypted uh, at uh, every level of the distribution from the event to the content provider, from the content provider uh, to the direct consumer or to the service provider that will also uh, distribute the content one way or the other. So uh, we have different way of encrypting, of, uh, encrypting the content. Uh, here, what, uh, what we will cover today is the uh, encryption for OTT uh, with DRM and CDRM. Um, so OTT ABR, it's going to be between a content provider and multi-screen devices, uh, what, what is more, uh, mostly called, uh, a direct to consumer, uh, through applications, uh, such as like, for example, like HBO Max, or Disney Plus, they have the application, they distribute the, the application and that's the direct to consumer model. The other model is from a service provider offering a multi-screen uh, service uh, 
uh, also called uh, TV Everywhere to their subscribers. So it's through an app. Uh, it can be, for example, like uh, Xfinity, uh, uh, as it, uh, Charter, uh, RCN, they all have their own uh, TV Everywhere application. So that type of application, that type of uh, application, uh, the content uh, going through it needs to be uh, encrypted. And that's what we, uh, that's what we will go over during the presentation. How it works and how it is done. Um, just a quick uh, product focus uh, on the Atem side. Uh, here for that uh, application uh, between uh, content provider and service providers, we have uh, two products that we, we that we use. Uh, one is the uh, transcoding flagship, the Titan Live uh, uh, from Atem, which is a software transcoder, uh, fully hardware agnostic, uh, and it embeds the push packager that also uh, package and encrypt the content. The uh, second product uh, is the origin packager that is also a software solution, fully hardware agnostic, uh, that will embed a just-in-time packager. So the just-in-time packager, uh, it has the capability to uh, package and encrypt on the fly based on the request, uh, based on the request, which is like the protocol uh, for the, de the device that is targeted. Uh, in terms of uh, DRM support, uh, the different technologies supported uh, by both products are FairPlay, WideVine, uh, PlayReady, AES.28, and Simple AES. So I will move uh, my the hand to David for easy DRM solution. Thank you, Max. Um, easy DRM, we are a true DRM as a service. Uh, we designed this around not having you change your entire workflow to add DRM for content protection uh, to your assets. We make sure that we are all geolocated for our services, uh, be it the packaging side that you'll be able to be able to call the KMS infrastructure for your encryption keys, as well as closest uh, point for your clients to get a uh, uh, the actual license for playback. So you may be packaging in one geo region, but uh, uh, but allowing clients to access content in a different geo region, and therefore they can access the closest endpoint. Uh, we pride ourselves on being easy to integrate. So we are a managed DRM service provider, such as we take care of all the DRM upgrades. We take care of the integrations between Widevine, PlayReady, Apple Fairplay, and now WisePlay to do all those key conversions. Uh, we boil this down to two uh, uh, services or API endpoints. One is uh, designed for calling the, uh, the actual DRM encryption keys that uh, are used by the packager and origin servers to apply DRM. And the other is uh, the API endpoint for issuing licenses to the client devices. We are all around the, the actual standards. We don't uh, believe in a proprietary easy DRM SDK. We follow CPICs and speak for the uh, uh, integration with the packagers and streaming servers to do DRM key exchanges. We follow the native calls and protocols for the endpoints to actually call for a DRM license. So you don't have to do a bolt-on DRM where you're trying to convert things on the fly. 
uh, in doing this, uh, we are allowed to offer you the latest and greatest. So as Microsoft or Google and Apple, as well as now Huawei, actually roll out new DRM features and uh, uh, aspects around the product lines, we provide that on day one. So you don't have to worry about uh, your uh, upgrade process, integration process. We're fully forward and backward compliant with your endpoints. Uh, we, you know, we believe in education, so we want to provide exceptional support uh, for our clients, be it they are a OTT provider who has years of experience on this and, you know, requires just a few uh, uh, ideas as well as direction, or a, a brand new client who is entering the space for the first time and needs that in-depth education. We are there to help facilitate them. Uh, our, uh, our business uh, approaches, uh, you know, it's straightforward. We are there to be your DRM as a service and not reinvent uh, your entire media pipeline. This is why we try to follow the standards so that you don't have to change out any component that you already have existing and or wish to implement. And we believe in, you know, a multi-vendor uh, approach. Basically, no company is the best at everything. This is why we are partner-driven. We work with a TEM on the packaging side to make sure that your you know, video streams and your outputs are being uh, not just uh, uh, done at the resolutions you want and at the service levels you want for your, uh, you know, for uh, each, each bit rate or your endpoints but to also tie that into the DRM part with us and or whatever player or, or endpoint that's using the playback on, uh, you can you know, mix and match because we do follow this industry standards. And therefore, as you are growing and scaling your infrastructure, you can work with the partners of your choice. Max, you can go to the next slide, please. So again, we are SDK-less. So basically, there's not proprietary easy DRM SDK that's required to do any integration on packaging or on playback. This will always allow you to do the latest and greatest from uh, Apple or Google or Microsoft or Huawei on the actual endpoints for whatever Apple protection levels you want to implement, whatever device support. You don't have to wait for a proprietary SDK from us to enable those feature sets for you. Uh, and that also allows you to run native code. You can run uh, your HTML5 code that works with encrypted media extensions or your native app code, uh, as long as it's supported by uh, the actual device, uh, the feature sets are there. By being, uh, you know, partners with the, uh, you know, the major players in the multi-DRM space, be it Apple, Google, Microsoft, as well, as Huawei now uh, allows us to be able to do that key management for you by being able to make sure those encryption keys are seamless and are tied across the board and are independent of whatever platforms trying to play it back on. Um, we are also always about DRM shouldn't impact anything. So our endpoints are always extremely low latency, either via a keys API for calling the encryption keys via CPIX that get tied into a uh, and a temp product for origin and packaging and or for the licensing issue to the actual endpoint for the actual users to actually view the content in that player for a license, be it a browser, a native app, or a smart TV. 
all this should not impact the actual quality of them pressing play. It should, you know, be able to uh, process everything in parallel while it's loading the manifest, while it's loading those segments, you get the DRM license that allows you to actually play back that content. And, uh, and uh, being easy DRM, we don't impede any business models. We're a, almost a pass-through proxy. We make sure that we take care of the encryption piece, the, uh, the, the, the proper licenses are issued, depending on the rule sets that you want to implement. Uh, there is no policies where you have to pre-configure, no pre-tokens. Everything is uh, done on the fly and uh, and all done by dynamic now done by dynamic calls, so that you never have to go back and change policy files, repackage content, change uh, a lot of your rights ahead of time to be able to. Uh, adjust to your content, be it on day one content, where you may have certain restrictions around your HD, 4K, or your standard resolutions, as opposed to when that content gets a little bit older and you want to put it into other bundles and packages, you don't need to uh, change anything around that, such as tokens or policies. Max? Okay, thank you for the, in for the info about EasyDRM, David. So now we move uh, into the DRM in the OTT workflow. Uh, so first, uh, we can discuss a little bit about the content protection and how uh, important it is uh, for content owners. Uh, the content that they provide to their subscribers or through their app is uh, uh, very important to them. So it cannot leak and cannot be available somewhere else without their, their um, control. So uh, it needs to be protected. Uh, that's their business model. That's the way that that's how it works. They need that, that content to be uh, protected. Uh, the other thing is today OTT uh, is becoming uh, OTT, which is like over the top, uh, also called ABR, depending if you are uh, through the internet or on a managed network. Uh, it becoming the main the, the main method for the delivery of content. Uh, that's uh, becoming uh, the, the first one, and uh, for that needs to uh, make sure that anything that is delivered through ABR OTT is correctly uh, protected. Um, the other thing to take into account is uh, DRM technologies are evolving. Uh, David just mentioned uh, Huawei uh, coming into uh, the, the DRM market with their widespread uh, DRM. So that's uh, another thing to, to take into account. In OTT, other things are evolving, uh, which is uh, the protocols that are used. Uh, like some are uh, kind of uh, dying in a way. If, uh, if you take uh, 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 Adobe, if you take some streaming, it's going a little bit down. Uh, and some others are uh, coming, like Cinas. Uh, piracy uh, is something uh, that is growing uh, every year. Sadly, that's a fact. Uh, there is uh, billions of dollars uh, that are lost by uh, content owners because of piracy. So us as vendor, Atem and EasyDRM, we uh, need to help them to make sure that their content, their, their content is correctly protected. So that's what we do together. Um, just as a recap, like, 
there are like different solutions like the conditional access system for IPTV or the watermarking uh, that is not really like encryption, it's more a way to track the content. Uh, but here for uh, OTT APR, we talk about uh, digital right management and multi uh, DRM. Uh, we want to uh, make sure uh, that we provide the best solution to the content owners and service providers uh, in order to uh, protect their content and their business. Um, just to uh, go over the, the, the workflow of uh, OTT and, and DRM. So uh, for that, we have uh, different modules. So the first one is gonna be the transcoder. The second one is the origin packet packager. The third one is the CDN. So that's the uh, video uh, delivery data plan as we, as we like to call it. And uh, the fourth part, uh, the very important part is the key server, the key server that uh, where we exchange keys between origin packager uh, and the key server and also between the key server and the player. So the workflow is uh, quite simple. Uh, the transcoder transcode into multi-bitrate. So it's uh, different uh, profiles uh, in order to be able to target like different devices or different networks. Uh, the origin packager will ingest that, uh, keep that in a pivot format uh, because it's a just-in-time packager that will uh, package on the on demand. On the other side, we have the player that could be uh, iOS, uh, 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 Android-based or Microsoft-based or any other kind of player that will request the content. The request goes through the CDN, goes back up to the origin packager and as an origin packager, uh, doing it uh, on the fly, the GP, as we like to call it, uh, will uh, detect like, what is the correct uh, protocol that has to be used. And based on that, it will uh, request the correct key to the key server. The key server is sent to the uh, origin packager and the origin packager will uh, encrypt the content based on that. And then the content will be uh, delivered to the device uh, for player, for playback. The uh, other thing is uh, content encrypted. If uh, there is no exchange uh, with the key server between the player and the key server, well, it's gonna be a black screen. Nothing will be, uh, will be uh, watchable. So for that, there is an exchange uh, between the key server and the, and, the and the player in order to check the license and if, it is, if everything is correct, uh, then the playback can, can, can work. So that's a very high level view of the workflow. Uh, try to make it very simple uh, uh, for um, to understand it uh, easily. Now, if I put the different products uh, of uh, ATEM and EasyDRM, we have uh, the Titan that the, the, the transcoding, the NIA DVR, which is the origin uh, packager on the fly, and uh, the NIA CDN that does the delivery. Um, the, uh, the easy DRM product, uh, I will let uh, David uh, talk, uh, talk quickly about it. Uh, go on. Sure. So, uh, so basically, I mean, going back to following standards, uh, we actually talk, uh, it's what's called CPIX. It's a, uh, it's a format for when, uh, when the, or uh, I'm sorry, when the packager actually makes a key request call to us, uh, it follows uh, a native language called CPIX, which is the industry standard. 
uh, and it requests a, a DRM key set. And we return that back in uh, it's basically an XML uh, file format uh, that follows CPIC standards, uh, you know, based back to the packager. So it knows what the resource ID is, it knows the key ID information and the encryption keys uh, to use for uh, the outputs that, um, that are being pushed up to the CDN, uh, you know, for the player to actually uh, call. Um, also, um, another thing to think about this isn't so much content protection, but you also think of it as, uh, you know, as a business protection and or a revenue stream protection. Because again, this content, be it uh, paid for, AVOD, SVOD, live, OTT, uh, you know, you know, even free content, uh, you actually want those eyes on your platform. So this content protection or this DRM, you know, integration is there to protect your revenue streams uh, because you don't want people uh, to actually uh, either deep link it and or uh, be able to uh, uh, take that content and put it off of a different source because you want those uh, users and viewers to come back to you. So basically this whole integration of content protection uh, with, you know, you know, we do key exchanges for the packaging, we do license exchange for the players is really there to help you protect your revenue streams. Max? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, David. Uh, so Atom is, is EVM. We strive to uh, give you the best uh, solution when it comes to encryption. Uh, with uh, on the Atem side, Atem side, like two different options of, uh, of uh, packaging, if you want. One is a push packager, so it means that it will get the content, uh, transfer it, uh, package and encrypt, and push that to a uh, storage. So the content will be pre-encrypted and pre-packaged. Uh, the other option uh, that we have is uh, the uh, on-the-fly. So in that case, we ingest the content, store it in a private format that uh, only our uh, packaging engine uh, in-house can actually like use. Um, we'll uh, package and encrypt the content into the different uh, protocol and DRM uh, based on the request. So uh, everything is stored on one uh, on the the content of the the storage of the, the NIA DVR and uh, then uh, only like delivered on request. So that's the ATEM side. Uh, in terms of uh, protocol take the DRM technologies, uh, there is a full support of, uh, of Fair Play, Play Ready, uh, Wide Wide on that side. Uh, we will work on the, the, the Wise Play uh, side uh, uh, with uh, Easy DRM. So, David, how is yours? Sure, and uh, you know, uh, you know, regardless if it's the push or just in time, uh, basically, you know, it still follows the same CFIX calls. So it's you know, so if it's following the same process when it's calling for the encryption keys to package the content, and during that process, the pane if uh, you select MPEG dash or HLS, you can actually then select which DRM and/or multi DRMs you actually want part of the uh, of that uh, of that uh, content. That's being outputted, or that content's being created. <laughs> True. Um, so what on the attend side, uh, it's a very easy configuration that we'll show at the end of the presentation. Uh, literally, like a, a couple of clicks that you need to to do in order to uh, just enter uh, the EasyDM server, 
the uh, the ID that you need for your uh, for your channel or for your VOD content, and off you go. You have uh, your content is protected uh, at the output. So that's uh, easy, very easy integration uh, between us, uh, Atem and Easy there. Sure. So, so it's now to dive into some of uh, uh, the tech behind all this. So uh, I've been mentioning a few times that we are all about uh, uh, standards, and uh, uh, and based off of that, I mentioned uh, CPIX as well as Speak. Um, CPIX, uh, the Content Protection Information Exchange format. Again, uh, it's uh, it's being adopted in the industry on the packaging side as well as on other key exchange. Uh, 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 partner integrations, so we don't have to create APIs that's a proprietary ATEM API or XYZ API for easy DRM or 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 other uh, DRM providers. We can all follow the same format because creating a format per integration isn't what we're all here for. We're all you know we we're all here to help deliver the content to the consumer to help support the uh, in our clients and to help them actually help facilitate their business models. So the standards around CPIX are something that we're all embracing so we don't have to keep reinventing the wheel. Um, part of that helps simplify the integration. So uh, since ATEM supports, uh, sorry, ATEM, uh, they support CPIX, we support CPIX, the integration was n like 95% done. So it was just more some testing uh, as well as refining uh, in some of the key calls, but really the, the, the actual basis around the integration was there. Uh, and since, uh, you know, this is a, a format and a standard that the, uh, uh, the industry and all the partners are embracing, part of that is we can actually implement, uh, uh, you know, security that we all agree on, on, on how uh, the actual CEPIX exchange happens, um, how it's actually encrypted, and uh, uh, to, uh, to actually help ensure that uh, no one can be a man in the middle and actually take the CEPIX keys in flight and, you know, basically, uh, uh, and try to have the key structure to the content that's being uh, issued out. Uh, you know, the benefits of this is it basically helps simplify the integration. Uh, uh, you know, uh, we all are able to follow the CPIX documents. Uh, they know we're version 2.1, 2.2 is coming out. Uh, you know, it's an industry body behind this uh, that helps format this. So it's just not one company or two companies. There are, there, you know, there's dozens and dozens of companies uh, just on packaging side, on DRM provider side, on uh, on the actual consumer side, uh, our clients, uh, the large ones, they are actually now part of this body to help format these uh, 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 the actual standards and requirements, so that a use case that may come up uh, that basically uh, the base one client has an experience, but another use case comes up, another client is experiencing, it helps go into the standards around that, um, and now we're expanding this into uh, a multi-key. So for years. Uh, a lot of the content has used a encryption key pair for all the video tracks as well as audio tracks. And now with multi-key, you can tailor certain outputs, um, qualities that are, you know, standard qualities uh, that use a 
encryption key set that's different from your UHD and your 4K and 8K. You can also tailor this, uh, the outputs for certain devices. You know, iPads or smart TVs have a, you know, have a certain resolution size uh, that is actually best for them. So you can tailor your outputs uh, to use certain key sets and therefore certain DRM license usage rules that are tailored to that endpoint to enforce maximum security as opposed to just using one across the board. Uh, and again, all this allows you uh, or uh, our clients to actually uh, implement this faster. They don't have to go through months and months of development, months and months of QA. Um, the fact that uh, it's, you know, a, a, a standard on both the exchange of keys and on playback uh, allows you to pick uh, your components, your packaging and your uh, players, and they will work basically out of the box. The only customizations you're not doing are around your UI and maybe some business intelligence. Max, anything you want to add there? No, I want to say that we are working in the same direction uh, in the benefit of our customers. Uh, to make sure that following uh, a standard like CPIX uh, simplify everything for between us, between ATEM and EasyGRM, and also for them, uh, the time to market to uh, deploy a solution that is proven, uh, it's key for them, I think. So let's move now to the different challenges that we, uh, we think about uh, when it comes to OTT and, uh, and DRM. So uh, again, you know, we're all in this for the actual end user. The actual end user is the consumer that we're trying to help facilitate, uh, be it a, uh, a uh, OTC service, HBO Max, or, uh, or your own services that you uh, are actually doing. It's the end consumer that we're trying to make happy. So everything behind the scenes, everything after that, that actually play should just work. Um, you know, so it being MPEG dash or HLS, uh, the actual consumer doesn't care about it being via EME, it being via Play Ready or Widevine, Wise Play. They're on a device, and it should just play. So by the use of common encryption, uh, by being able to have multiple DRMs in that uh, in that single output, to where it'll just play natively on that device and not have to do bolt-on SDKs and in-the-fly uh, changes or, or, or muxing to those streams to allow the playback on those devices, allow that device to actually run better, the user experience is better, and uh, allows, you know, our, basically our customers uh, to, you know, have that one less worry. Uh, in all this from acquisition to playback, there's a lot of points uh, which they have to cover, uh, it being uh, contracts, it being syndication, it being uh, their, you know, uh, their, I mean, their actual growth of viewers. They don't want this to be uh, the point of either failure or a point of complexity. Um, following the SDK-less integration, we want uh, that endpoint, be it a Android device, to talk native, let's just call it Android, back to uh, the uh, 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 back end, such as EasyDRM for the DRM license key. Um, it being an Apple device, it should talk natively uh, 
across those protocols in DRM languages. You don't want to have to have another SDK on top of that that's now emulating and trying to change what a native behavior is. Uh, if you're on Android or iOS, iOS, you're, in, you're, you're running a native app, you're running AV player, uh, you're de developing your own stuff by the, you know, being an Apple developer or by using a, 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 a player vendor in the market, they don't have to then go through an additional integration time of a bolting on SDKs. Native support is just much easier for everyone. It's much easier for the business to understand. It's much easier for the developers and uh, all the engineers behind the scenes to connect these dots together. And therefore it will allow those end viewers, the actual true consumers of this content to be able to just hit play and it just works. That's what this is all about. Max, anything you want to add there? <laughs> oh, again, we're on the same track. Uh, we talk a lot of quality of experience on our side uh, to make sure that there is no buffering. Uh, we talk a lot about, a lot about uh, buffering issues and these kind of things, but uh, it's also key uh, that the encryption uh, is also like seamless uh, for the users. So uh, uh, basically, like I mentioned uh, in a little bit, something about multi-key now, about tailoring those quality or those advertisement set outputs, certain resolutions to have certain uh, uh, encryption keys behind them that could be uh, the same or different so that you know if you're going for your standard resolutions, you may have three or four as your standard resolutions uh, that use a, a, a DRM key set uh, to, uh, uh, to actually encrypt the content. And then your UHD, your 4K, your 8K, uh, 8K, or your most highest resolution premium content should be protected separately and therefore have a separate DRM key set. Uh, you know, this allows for a tighter or a more granular, uh, you know, ability to actually secure your content. You can also then tailor your outputs. You know, if you're going, you know, you have certain viewers who are on a smart TV, uh, there's certain resolutions that are best for them. And certain smart TVs run either Widevine or PlayReady, and then you can tailor the DRM licenses, certain output protection levels to those devices just off uh, the actual uh, quality of that stream uh, or the actual resolution of that stream. Um, you know, this will also, you know, it's also, you know, then bleeds into other uh, you know, parts of the business, such as if you are uh, also doing offline to where you can actually enforce that they can download that standard resolution or that 4K resolution, uh, uh, you know, uh, content to view offline on a plane or a train, wherever they are going to be, and that DRM license is only issued to that quality that they are uh, allowed to download and or actually uh, have downloaded. So they can't try to have one person download one quality stream and SD and share that key and encryption set for someone who's doing the uh, base high resolution, you can have your work, uh, you can have true control of your business model and granularity um, how you are offering your content. Um, let's see here, let's go back to uh, the slide before I get too far off track. Um, yeah, so basically, again, so basically multi-key allows you to just uh, you know, divide up your streams uh, into certain quality types and then offer different encryption key pairs. A lot of times when you are licensing content from the studios, 
they may have certain contractual reasons why the standard resolutions can do this they they they, they can do hdmi like uh like 1.2 and they can uh do uh in browser uh, uh, they can do software-based, you, know, you know, security for a browser, and they may say that they want their uh, their uh, high premium content UHD 4K 8K uh, outputs to you know have a separate key pair because they only want hardware-based, you know, DRM. They want HDMI 2.1 or a 2.x output protection level. They uh, you know have different usage rights that you must enforce as a content provider. Um, and, and and by doing this, will allow you to actually tailor uh, uh, your uh, your output streams to actually match uh, the actual endpoint and the usage rights that you need to enforce. Yeah. Um, no, I guess I, I will talk a little bit after about like the UTP uh, on our side. Sure. So for those of you who like to see code, and uh, you know, you know, my my olden days, I used to like to do you know a little more hands-on code. We always want to show what's behind the scenes. So uh, basically, there's a content key usage rule set, and basically, uh, this is not defined by uh, by the industry. You can pick your own. Uh, track types. You can say my SD is a certain resolution. You can say my HD is a certain resolution, or I can call this uh, track type one, track type two. Uh, you know, we're just using certain names that make sense. SD. You know, we're all used to what's called standard definition. Now, is that uh, you know, uh, um, you know, 600k to two megabit to eight megabit? I mean, uh, I mean, again, that depends on what your business model is. Uh, you know, you may have multiple bit rates in your adaptive bit rate stream that, that qualify as your standard, you know, as your standard resolutions. And then again, you're going to have your higher track types. And here we have, you know, we you know we're just calling it HD. And you'll see what's difference here is there's a key ID that is basically the GUID that uses to map the uh, DRM encryption keys. Uh, to that track type. So as a player is uh, is loading the streams, loading the quality, uh, it, it basically sends us this information so that we can actually issue the right license, you know, for that uh, call. And you can issue multiple licenses. Uh, here we also have the audio broken out so that we can have audios or or, or you know, or multiple languages under different keys as well. You can get very granular in here, and you also have to be careful not to over-engineer things. You don't need 65 track types. You might, uh, you know, want, uh, uh, you know, if you're a large uh, provider, uh, you know, we all know, you know, the, all the big ones. They tailor this uh, in depth because they know that they have to support smart TVs and certain set-top boxes, and they have three versions of their uh, iOS app. And they know this is a smaller iOS device or bigger. It's a phone, it's an iPad, it's a tablet, it's a laptop, it's a browser. And therefore they tailor those resolutions for that device. And then they can actually then tailor the DRM usage rules for that device as well, just by doing the track types. Max? Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's a very interesting topic. Thanks to CPIX, we can do that now. Uh, it, uh, it, it's becoming 
uh, more and more a big topic to be able to uh, encrypt tracks differently uh, from HD to LD, even the just audio, like if you have different type of audio, uh, that's, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's a request we get more and more from uh, our different customers. So that, that so at them we know uh, we work a lot with uh, studios, uh, with service providers, with content owners. So that's uh, that's that's a key topic for us uh, when it comes to uh, encrypting the content of of uh, the content owners or the service providers, and especially that uh, it's becoming uh, 4K. Uh, it's definitely booming now. It's uh, it's growing. Uh, well, we all know what happened last year. Uh, the world kind of stopped, but the TV sales uh, grew a lot. Uh, and now TVs are maybe like 95% of them are 4K already or Ultra HD. And that, uh, and with the different devices uh, that are on the market, uh, like the Apple TV, the Roku, the smart TVs, uh, there is a lot of premium content. And uh, the premium content requires a different uh, encryption uh, for uh, the tracks uh, that are 4K or UHD. So we see it with Netflix, we see it with Disney, uh, we see it with the, the sport now. Uh, they, we see uh, the, the sport, like like the last football season, a lot of uh, games were in 4K. Uh, so that uh, when it, for OTT, uh, on top of the uh, bandwidth uh, challenge, uh, the other challenge was the encryption and making sure that the 4K track was properly encrypted uh, with a different with a different key. Um, so uh, the other uh, topic that that uh, David uh, mentioned is uh, the download to go. So the download to go uh, is also a key element. Uh, we see it a lot in our on our Netflix application on our Disney Plus application. Well, uh, what, what is it to know here is definitely that you only download one profile uh, of uh, the content. So in that content, is encrypted with a special key just for, for that track. Um, so that's, uh, that's a topic uh, that's gonna grow. And thanks to uh, CPX, it's easily implemented uh, between uh, the uh, key server and the packager. I don't know if Anything else to add, David, or if I move on? No, yeah, I mean, sounds good. Let's, let's go to the next slide. <laughs> yeah, the, the next slide is another topic uh, that's uh, becoming more and more important as uh, the, uh, the traditional uh, like service provider are shifting from uh, traditional IPTV or cable TV to a full, uh, what they call a IPTV ABR uh, solution. Uh, on their network. But what uh, has been seen uh, the past few years is that the technology wasn't uh, ready in terms, uh, in order to match uh, like the ABR technology uh, would need to match the traditional broadcast TV. They, uh, in, in ABR, there is always uh, the buffering that is done by the player, a few chunks uh, are uh, buffered, which leads to uh, between 30 seconds to a minute or sometimes even more uh, of uh, latency if you have to compare the same uh, the same like channel, like if you take a sport channel, uh, the IPTV or the cable TV will be ahead with traditional ABR. So uh, 
we uh, believe a lot in what we call ultra low latency. It's that capacity to uh, make sure that we uh, reduce uh, all the different, all uh, the latency at different levels. So it's at the encoder level, at the packager level, uh, the CDN level to make sure that all we save all those uh, milliseconds uh, that are uh, like crucials uh, in order to make sure that the, the people are watching the content uh, uh, same as their uh, TV on, the, on their set-top box uh, through IPTV. So it has been uh, like it, it is evolving. Uh, it's we are moving in the in the right direction. So the first was the uh, development of uh, Dash, CMAF, LLC, and then uh, a couple years ago, HLA, uh, Apple released their version of HLS, low latency, uh, that has been like uh, highly improved last year. So this, uh, in terms of uh, encryption at the uh, Packager level, there is no uh, channel. So it's those are like uh, and fragmented MP4. Uh, it's very it's the same as traditional uh, OTT ABR. The challenge is for the player, the player to decrypt the content. Uh, we've seen uh, good improvement on that side, uh, but it, we need to uh, to to work with them in order to make sure that uh, that uh, decryption. Of the content is doesn't like have uh, an impact on the latency because now we can we can be uh, in par with uh, broadcast TV uh, with ABR technology, which we were not able to do to do it uh, two years ago. Um, and that's gonna lead probably into like a bigger adoption of uh, ABR technologies. So we, we strive to do that at ATEM with our full uh, data plan that we uh, control and we can tweak it in order to make sure that we, uh, we uh, have the little latency as possible. Uh, now I will let uh, uh, David talk about the DRM and the, the, encryption, the encryption decryption side of it uh, for uh, and the latency that could have uh, depend with the core. Sure. So basically, well, the 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 encryption part of it, the packaging, uh, uh, that's uh, you know that's basically almost like a one-time call between the packager and uh, you know and our keys API. So the I mean the packager at creating that that stream that uh, that that output profile uh, is where you're going to set those settings. And the packager makes a call and it kind of caches that locally. So therefore the encryption part of it, uh, you know, uh, it doesn't impact anything being pushed up to the CDNs. Uh, you know, really where the, uh, the challenge is, is at the player side when that endpoint, that, that uh, smart TV, that browser, HTML5 player, that native app actually loads that manifest. And loading that manifest, it basically says, oh, I need a DRM key. So while it's loading those first few fragments, uh, a MPEG dash stream, a HLS stream, uh, you know, it being CMAF and or native, it's making a parallel call for that DRM license. So, so while that player is loading, those first two segments to start playback, it's already called for that license, has the license, and is able to continue the playback. Uh, the pain on that endpoint, you might be able to leverage something called persistent licensing, where that license gets saved 
for a time period. It could be uh, a few minutes to days and weeks. So therefore, even if you go back to that stream, that DRM call is not even part of that equation anymore because a player sees that area has a license that's local. Uh, this works well for set-top boxes and smart devices to where you're doing uh, channels and actually cuts down on that zapping feature when people go through channel through channel through channel. So you can issue a license for certain plans that cover some channels all at once and they share a license and then have separate licenses or encryption keys for your sports feeds and your HBO content and your other forms of content that are separate packages. And by it being persistent, it's no longer required to even make that call. Uh, if you're in like web browsers and or other uh, uh, players that can't do persistence, that can't do a persistent license, it's just that one-time call on loading that license to play back the stream. And then while the rest of the segments keep uh, loading during that stream, you can pause it, you can fast forward, rewind. There's no more DRM calls, part of that. So space the way we be able to handle this on for low latency playback is to make sure that player is making parallel calls. That's not waiting for the license before it loads the next segments. It loads the manifest, well, that manifest is making that call for a license. It's loading the rest of those segments. So it just uh, it is a, a seamless transition from paying play to seeing the content. Back to you, Max. Uh, the other channel that we, uh, that we see is the fragmentation of uh, WPs, uh, like operating system slash uh, like protocol, DRM. Uh, we mentioned like multiple like different technologies, different protocol. Uh, we can we can class the devices with uh, the Apple devices, so Apple TV, iOS, uh, or Safari, for example, on macOS. You have everything that is Android based, uh, goes from like pure Android devices uh, to smart TVs, or even like uh, cord cutter uh, uh, devices like the Roku or the Fire TV. Then you have more like uh, Microsoft devices like the Xbox or uh, uh, Microsoft Edge, also like try the PlayStation in there uh, somewhere. And now you have Huawei that's kind of going on that side. Even if Huawei uh, phones have Android based uh, uh, OS. Um, so what we have is each uh, type of uh, devices will require like a different uh, protocol like Apple devices, well, it's Apple, so they like HS, uh, but it's like for the, for the native player. Uh, then uh, Huawei and the rest, uh, it's kind of uh, between HLS and Dash. So there's some fragmentation there. The uh, other fragmentation is the uh, DRM. Like if you want to play content on an Apple TV, it needs to be HLS and fair play. Otherwise, it's not going to work. Same with the native player on uh, iOS or uh, macOS. That's one tab. Uh, the second one is Widevine for Android devices. Google, everything is Google. Uh, they like Widevine, so it could be with HLS and Dash. The other one is uh, PlayReady uh, with Microsoft. That can some uh, Android devices will support it, some other will not. Again, that's uh, the fragmentation that we see on the market today. And the last one is the uh, wise player from uh, Huawei. Uh, that's, uh, they, they are getting into the market for that. 
So now the problem is for uh, content owners, uh, like, like if I take the example of uh, Disney Plus, they want to reach as many people as possible. Uh, if they want to reach as many, possible, as many people as possible, uh, they need to be on every device. And to be on every device, uh, they need to make sure that they will support HLS and Fairplay for Apple devices, uh, HLS or Dash plus Wi-Fi uh, on Android-based devices. Uh, on some others, uh, they need they will need uh, PlayReady to go with HLS and Dash, and on Huawei they will need uh, HLS, Dash, and Wi-Fi. So for, for them, it complexifies uh, a lot of things, like complexify. Uh, their uh, packaging because they will need to package everything uh, into like different protocol in different DRM, uh, deliver that uh, on the network, which will increase uh, the bandwidth because you can have like a lot of different uh, combinations. For that, uh, there is a, a CIMA uh, that is kind of uh, finally like uh, uh, taking off. Uh, which is the capacity to, to share uh, the chunks between uh, HLS and Dash. Um, that is uh, a standard that you've probably heard like for years now. Uh, it's, uh, it's finally taking off because there is more and more adoption uh, on the devices. So that uh, will probably be, uh, I'm not going to say key, but uh, a good uh, step forward uh, in order to, to simplify uh, different their architecture for Disney, uh, the way they work, or any other uh, content, uh, content, uh, content owner, like could be any other app that you can think about. So that's the fragmentation of the market between devices and protocol and DRM. David, you have uh, other things to, to add for that? I mean, there's not much to add. Uh, you uh, you covered it very well. Thanks. All right. So now we'll uh, go over like a couple uh, stories, uh, success stories uh, with uh, common customers. Uh, so the first one is uh, Post uh, Luxembourg, uh, Post Telecom in Luxembourg, in Europe. Uh, they provide uh, OTT services uh, to uh, Central and Eastern Europe uh, through uh, their private CDN. And uh, they have a, a particularity, which is they offer like unlimited cloud DVR. Um, so that's the attempt part. Uh, we had a challenge with that. And there was a challenge also uh, with the DRM side uh, that uh, David can, uh, can, can talk about. Sure. So uh, Post uh, had uh, existing DRM. They had, you know, uh, they, they, Post had been in the OTT market for many years. So it wasn't new to them, but they were transitioning to MPEG Dash to uh, these newer endpoints of supporting iOS devices and Android devices that they had to uh, uh, change from infrastructure. And at that point in time, it was easier for them to use a DRM as a service as opposed to building it in-house. So we had to preserve their existing uh, endpoints, uh, their, their actual legacy devices and, uh, you know, and, uh, and key infrastructure, plus their net new on, on new content for new keys, as well as the new endpoints that they wanted to support. So that was a, a challenge that we solved together, hand-to-hand, uh, -to -hand, uh, that uh, 
that's a, that's a, that's a good uh, success story. The other one that is uh, completely different is uh, uh, Skytel in Mongolia. Uh, so that's the tier one uh, telecom operator over there. And their uh, challenge was to uh, have that download to go feature uh, that we talked uh, before and that, kept, that uh, make it available like uh, offline. So that's, that's, on the, uh, that's on the ATEM side. So we made that available uh, through their uh, side platform. And uh, uh, David, if you can like uh, maybe add, add some Sure. So yeah, so basis was a, a brand new service they were launching a few years ago. And uh, you know, they always, you know, and clients want the Netflix experience. I mean, Netflix set that standard of being able to watch things online as well as be able to take content offline. So uh, since they were launching this uh, service, they want all those features on day one. So we worked with them on the actual usage rule sets, on the actual keys around that to tie into their online and offline experience, as well as uh, as well as uh, their contracts behind that, since they had to uh, license content from studios, uh, you know, for 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 their end users and population. So those are like two good examples of uh, how we uh, we work together and we uh, successfully deliver something to a customer. That, that was great. Um, so, I mean, to summarize uh, between uh, Atem and SDRM, it's the, we make everything simple. Uh, the integration uh, between us is already done. There is nothing else to add. Uh, the configuration uh, is something that can be done uh, in two clicks, uh, either like through our uh, uh, user interface or with API. So that's something uh, that easy to do. Uh, like, like, we said at the, like we said in the middle about CPIX, we are both following the standard. So any evolution of CPIX uh, will automatically uh, do it on, our, on the ATEM side. Uh, I'm not gonna talk for SDM, but I believe that they will do the same. Uh, uh, so that, I mean, yes. Yes, that's, yeah, I'm 100% correct. I basically, we follow the CPIC standards. We're part of Dash IF. We help contribute to the standard, uh, you know, giving uh, the input from our perspective as well as our client's perspective. So we are, you know, we're both in clock step. We are both, you know, doing the actual same goals. Exactly. All going in the same direction to satisfy the customer and make sure that there is no hiccup in the middle. All right. Uh, I had a quick demo. Uh, I don't know if uh, Kiev, like uh, if any question came up or if we can move like to a quick like. Yeah, I think you're good. I do not see any questions. Uh, I'm not sure if anyone had any, they were none put into the questions panel. So if you want to run through a quick demo, you got three, four minutes. I'll do that quickly. Uh, just for the workflow, it's exactly what we presented at the beginning. Uh, we use the native player on Safari and Shaka player on uh, Firefox, actually. Uh, Atem is running in their private cloud uh, out of Paris, so everything goes through the internet, and EasyDRM is running in a public cloud. Uh, in terms of configuration, uh, just wanted to put that out there. Uh, as we said, it's two-click. It's configuring the EasyDRM uh, endpoint uh, for the scrambling server. Uh, then we use that endpoint for each channel where we uh, just at the ID uh, that is needed uh, in order to encrypt the content. 
So those are like two things we have to do on our side, uh, on the attend side, and everything can be uh, done automatically with the uh, API. So that's very straightforward, very uh, easy. So now I will uh, just show quickly uh, demo. All right. So I have a uh, Firefox running. Uh, this one. Uh, so that's a link. Uh, that content is uh, in the clear. Uh, it plays. Uh, we can see that in the clear because there is uh, no uh, content encryption uh, requirements in the uh, uh, manifest. So there's nothing, it should be uh, right here, actually. It's not there, so that's normal. Everything plays fine. Um, I do have uh, the same uh, content that has been encrypted by uh, the uh, NIA uh, DVR through EasyDRM. Maybe I should forget this one. Uh, I've already put the key uh, in there, but if we look, uh, at the manifest, we do have, uh, that content protection requirements here. So that the content is encrypted, uh, the key is requested uh, to the key server and the key is delivered in order to decrypt the content. Let me and while he's loading that, you'll see the content protection header, basically what tells the player to make the key request. And uh, it's very uh, it's, it's very quick in the network traffic, but you'll see there's a parallel call to our backend for the Widevine key, or the Widevine license, basically. So I have the same thing uh, for HLS, obviously. Uh, same, I have the playlist here. Uh, there is no request for encryption. So everything plays fine. There's no thing ready to stay. And it should be here. It should be only XTX for the encryption. And if here, if we look at the same content, but that case encrypted uh, with uh, CPX, in uh, the playlist, we do have uh, the XTX key that would uh, request the key to the server. But we are uh, on Firefox, so I don't have the capability to uh, decrypt the content. I need to use Safari, but uh, because of uh, Apple restrictions, you will not. It's not uh, shareable through a screen. I don't know if David, you want to? Uh... Sure. So, so basically, with uh, the HLS stream, uh, there was additional uh, DRM rules for Apple protection that basically stop or stop the ability to actually share it via zoom or, or other screen capture, uh, to show you, uh, the usage rules can be changed. Uh, but really what we want to show there was a, 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 you know, it called the M38 manifest, it called the playlist, it, uh, it was loading the segments and then called the, uh, Apple fair play license at the exact same time in parallel so that there was no waiting, there was no latency. And this is all around the uh, the basically uh, you know usage, multi DRM and 
common encryption to make sure that those endpoints can talk natively. Exactly. Well, we are over our time. So uh, thank you, David, uh, for your time, uh, for uh, doing that with us. Uh, very uh, appreciate that. Thank you very much. And just want to add, uh, you know, again, we are here, you know, we are here to educate. So anyone who wants a, a trial account or a test account, we give those out for free for you to play around and learn. Uh, so I thank everyone for their time. And uh, this was a great event. So now we are at the end of the 10th podcast. If you want to find out more, you can go to the attempt.com website or follow us on LinkedIn. Next time, we will cover flawless OTT viewer experience. Don't miss out.